Welcome to the Take 15 podcast. I'm Lauren Foster, and this is the show where we bring you short conversations with some of the top minds in the world. Today, I'm joined by a very special guest, Marg Franklin. Marg is a CFA charter holder and chief executive and president of CFA Institute. She has been a long-time champion of women in the investment industry and now leads the Global Association of Investment Professionals. The world looks markedly different than it did a few months ago, and so our conversation was wide-ranging. We talked about a lot of things, including how CFA Institute has adjusted to the new normal, the impact of COVID-19 on the investment management industry, and what she's learned about leading through a crisis. I hope you enjoy this very timely conversation. Mark Franklin, welcome. Thank you very much, Lauren. It is so nice to see you, if only virtually, and thank you for having me on. Well, it's a great pleasure to have you on the show. The world looks markedly different than it did a month ago. How has CFA Institute adjusted to this new normal? Well, for those of you in the audience and for those listeners who are members or candidates, I first and foremost want to thank you for all of the support during what are clearly uh, unprecedented times. You've been both patient and uh, importantly, very supportive as we have worked our way through some very challenging decisions. Um, And there are really three notable ones. The first uh, is it's the first time in our history that we've had to postpone the exams. That was a very big decision and a bit of a heartbreaker, I'm sure, for candidates who've studied so hard. Uh, All three levels of the exam are now going to be offered in December 20 and 21. And finally, we are now hosting many virtual events like our uh, annual conference. So the one upside of the global pandemic is we've been able to materially move to a virtual world. So as you say, Marg, unprecedented times. You spoke a bit about how CFA Institute has adjusted, but I'm also curious about you and how you've adjusted. You took the helm of CFA Institute uh, back in September, that's seven months ago. And just as the broader world looks very different, so does the organization you lead. And with that, your role as a leader What have you learned about crisis leadership? So um, maybe let me break it into two phases. The first phase of my leadership, I got to meet with many people around the world, a number of our key stakeholders. Uh, They'd include central bankers, asset managers, asset owners, many of our members and candidates, and and certainly our society leaders. And um, I came in with, I would say, rose-colored glasses and really believed in the convening power of CFA Institute. And um, what I saw in the first sort of, I would say, five months exceeded my expectations. So there is definitely um, a role for us in a very meaningful and important way in at the tables where policy is being shaped, where expectations um, are really being discussed. And of course, that's because we look at everything through the lens of investor outcomes. So that's the first stage. And I also had the opportunity to meet with so many people, so many members, um, and obviously with a lot of our staff. And then, of course, we have come into a period of time where um, the whole world has been turned upside down. Um, And when I think about leadership in this time, uh, I think it relies on really uh, three things. One is being competent, so knowing what you're doing. Uh, And I am probably a CFA 
charter holder and hopefully leader writ large. Um, I fundamentally believe in what CFA Institute does. It's made my career and um, I've, of course I've been involved with it for a long time. Um, the second is to really understand who you're serving and how to serve them best. And so when I think about how we um, serve our members, how we play a role in the capital markets for investor outcomes, much of that um, depends on caring very much about your stakeholders, uh, listening to them, um, making sure that we can socialize those concepts. And again, I go back to the convening power and platform of the CFA Institute, where I think we have an extraordinary opportunity to do that. And then um, finally, developing the strategy for the go forward for the future world. And uh, we had already embarked on a strategic plan before all of this, and it's become even more important. So um, I think leadership is equal measure of confidence, knowing when to make the bold steps, and then uh, equal measure of humility and serving those and capitalizing on your collective intelligence. Let's expand a little bit on this idea that you just touched on about the convening power of CFA Institute. Uh, we know that CFA Institute is well known for its convening power. How is the organization currently helping the investment management industry? A couple of things um, that I think are really important. First of all, it's a critical time for practitioners. And uh, for that reason, we've created a content hub on our website of research. It includes lessons learned from past financial crises, as well as um, ways to help the investment an management industry during a time of instability and uncertainty. We're holding, as I mentioned at the outset, many more virtual events, including a significant amount of programming uh, May 18th and 20th, which would have been our in-person annual conference. And um, so I think we're trying to think about how do practitioners and investment professionals take care of themselves so they can serve their clients better? How do we provide perspective, um, evidence-based, and um, uh, tools for them to be able to serve their clients best? Great. Obviously, none of us has a crystal ball, but I'm wondering, what do you think will be the impacts of COVID-19 on the investment management industry? So I think many of the trends that we saw um, happening before COVID-19 will be accelerated. So we've been in a period of really significant adjustments since the financial crisis of a decade ago. Um, I believe consolidation will continue. Uh, firms will continue to accelerate their use of smart technology. Um, and they will continue to adapt their strategies. So all that industry change will carry on during this time. And we can be sure that technology platforms will need to be able to handle everybody working from home. We conducted a um, virtual forum of CEOs from a, of asset management firms from around the world. And the one thing that they talked about being really surprised and pleased with was the ability to so smoothly move to working from home virtual reality. And uh, one of the CEOs remarked, the reason is, is because we all had to do it. It was global and we all had to do it. And I think there's a lesson around that when we all come together and make it happen, what can happen so quickly and so effectively. Marg, if I may, a follow-up question along those lines. What do you think will look different uh, in the investment industry post-pandemic? So I think um, we'll see three things that will be markedly different. First of all, um, talent management. If this is a time of grand social experiment of working virtually, uh, we'll be watching close uh, leadership closely during these times and who emerges as new leaders. Um, one of the observations is that there are people who hadn't been previously identified as leaders who um, in this moment of crisis are emerging. 
Um, there's also just a remarkable sensitivity um, towards various demands on um, employees. And I will say we've talked a lot about diversity and inclusion, and we've talked about women being the universal diversity issue. I fundamentally believe in universal design, and that is when you solve for one problem, it can have a benefit for many others. And I've always thought if we could solve for the um, labor structure to accommodate more women, that it would have a collateral um, benefit. I actually think this is going to prove um, to bear out in this pandemic. So that's the first thing. The second is um, really a switch to long-term focus for markets. Um, investors will need to learn to work with a profession uh, professional, uh, sticking with an investing plan and reviewing their approach to savings. Uh, one of the things we did take away from the CEO asset management um, forum was that clients were doing just that. And of course, that's been um, a fundamental belief of ours, set up the right plan and then stick to it. And lastly, uh, I've been asked a lot in the last couple of weeks whether ESG will see more of a focus on the S. And yes, uh, I think we read that every day in the paper. So if prior to the pandemic, it was all about E, and really almost all about carbon uh, that it was accelerating, there's just as much focus now on the S. So we'll wanna see how companies are treating employees, how they're acting and engaging with society to respond to the pandemic. And I think from the um, investment management profession, this is an opportunity to be a force for good. I'm so glad you actually mentioned a force for good and ESG. Do you think ESG investing will get pushed aside or to the contrary, will it become more important? I think um, people are going to look at this pandemic as a sign that is, all is not right um, with our world, much like climate change. And so we're truly seeing the impact of a global pandemic on people in lower socioeconomic situations. Um, the hurt their experience is actually just heartbreaking. Uh, I think about frontline workers um, in the healthcare sector, especially, who we know um, don't necessarily participate the way others do, and yet there they are giving their lives. So I could see this as being another impetus for investors looking at their societal impact, and that certainly means more ESG considerations in investing. I also think more mainstream investing will be held to account um, in this concentrated fashion when we're seeing the manifestation of perhaps some poor allocation decisions. So something I've been wondering about is how do you think COVID-19 will change investors' perceptions of the industry? So uh, we believe that this is a critical moment for the investment management industry to gain the trust of investors. Um, our recently published trust study found that investors are looking for more information, innovation and influence in their interactions with the investment management industry. So that makes the conditions really ripe for, um, to give investors what they're asking for. Our trust study also shows that those with a financial um, advisor trust the in, uh, industry significantly more than those without an advisor. And of course that would make sense, right? Because you probably have a much better understanding and navigating principle, reconciling your objectives and goals with what can uh, reasonably be delivered from a portfolio. So perhaps when people reassess their financial status, when things settle down, uh, more will seek out professional advice. And of course we think those with the CFA charter are really primed to serve those investors very well. 
So let's dig a little deeper on the trust study. What other uh, insights came from that survey that you think might be relevant for uh, professionals and investors in this current environment? Yeah. So I've often believed that a lot of our job is navigating uncertainty, irrespective of the way things are presented with almost uh, unbelievable certainty. And so it's interesting to see from the um, trust survey that investors are looking for more information that they're looking for more innovation and they're looking for more influence in their interactions with the investment management industry. So I, I suspect investors understand that element of uncertainty. Trust is the number one factor that retail investors are looking for when hiring an advisor. And, and as much for institutional investors, that trust and performance are the most valued when hiring an asset manager. So within the financial industry, those with a financial advisor are more than twice as likely to trust the investment professionals and the investment firms that, that serve them than those without an advisor. That's a, that's a pretty significant finding. Um, trust is the number one factor when hiring an asset manager for retail investors, and trust rivals performance uh, among institutional investors, and again, a bit surprising. Uh, only 57% of retail investors without an advisor say they have a fair opportunity to profit from capital markets, but this percentage increases to 81% for those who have an advisor. So if you have trust in the system because you've been navigated well, it's likely that you will stick to those long-term plans that meet your goals and objectives. Great. And if we can just stick with trust for, for a minute longer, uh, this morning I came across a great article on Harvard Business Review that was titled, Begin With Trust. And I was struck by this line, and I'll read it out to you. Trust is one of the most essential forms of capital a leader has. So, Mark, in your experience as a leader, what are the core drivers of trust? So, um, in inimitable Harvard Business Review way, I think they captured it beautifully. It's um, competence, uh, uh, authenticity and empathy. And so I think about it as um, feeling, socializing and thinking. And um, when I look historically at what leadership has looked like, it's it's been very, um, it's been one of dominance. And there are times that as a leader, you need to be dominant, that you need to be confident in making bold decisions. But it really does need to be balanced with empathy and serving. And I think that the complexity of leadership at this moment, in particular, when there is no playbook for it, is going to require that you bring your real self to the table, that you care about your stakeholders, and that you capitalize on the competence that you have, not only in yourself, but really around the team that you have um, and the people working with you. And so I think uh, collective intelligence and collective intensity will never be more writ large than now. Great. A big question that I know is on a lot of people's minds. Do you think that the investment management industry is prepared to handle another financial crisis? So the industry has changed a lot since 2008, which was a which was a financial crisis, right? We were at the precipice of the failure of the of the banking system. And now we see that the pandemic does not pose a direct threat to the financial system itself. The industry is well capitalized. Um, very small financial institutions may struggle if they're based in communities that are hard hit by um, economic downturn. Um, asset and wealth managers appear to be on solid ground, client portfolios in the short term notwithstanding. Um, I would add, though, that that 
this will be a moment where we start to really have conversations that we couldn't have had in the financial crisis. Who wins and who fails? And, and what are the moral um, applications of that? So we're seeing every day in the paper some really, I think, quite um, interesting discussions and robust and nuanced discussions around how it's going to shape out. And that's very different than when you are looking at a failing financial system. So quite a different discussion than what we, we would have been having in 2008. And a follow-up question, if I may, what should banks and governments be doing to avoid an economic meltdown? Well, boy, are they ever being creative. Um, I think just when you thought central banks couldn't be uh, more innovative and creative, they again continue to surprise. Um, recently, the Systemic Council Risk Council sent an open letter to G20 ministers and central bankers. Uh, that is a group that we support, and I urge you to read the letter. Um, but to give you a few examples, they've recommended that banks ensure government programs can be funded, whatever the circumstances. We're seeing that all around the globe. And that governments provide direct aid to businesses and households and provide health care um, regardless of an individual's um, financial situation. And again, we're just seeing on the fly playmaking, which is um, inspiring, bold and a grand experiment. Great. So I'd love to wrap up with uh, on a positive note, and I'm borrowing this from the comedian Trevor Noah, who includes a segment every day what he calls a ray of sunshine. So I know that you're an optimist, Marg. Um, so what is something that you're optimistic about? And another question, what are you most looking forward to when social distancing measures are lifted? So what am I most optimistic about? Um, I'm a believer in the eight weeks to a habit. So we're going to be in this phase uh, for eight weeks at least. And so I think some really good habits will come out of it. I think the way we work has fundamentally changed. That has a direct impact on things like how um, employees can engage with us. It provides more flexibility. It allows accessibility and advancement for just a much greater group of people. Um, I also think it has an enormous impact on um, our environmental um, footprint. And so um, I think the ability to think imaginatively, innovatively, and to be inspired by this grand experiment will have some really meaningful um, takeaways that we haven't seen before. And I do think that the capital markets and the investment profession in particular have such a meaningful role to play in that with the right thinking and then the right capital allocation. So I'm actually very excited um, once we come through this. And with regards to social distancing, I'm really looking forward to spending time with my family. I come from a very big family and I miss actually seeing them in person. Mark, I enjoyed this tremendously. Thank you so much for joining us today. And to you and your family and to everyone in the audience, please stay safe out there. Thank you, Lauren. And again, to everybody as well, what Lauren said, be safe, be healthy and be well. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider rating and reviewing us on iTunes or wherever you're listening. We'd love to hear your thoughts and it helps others find the show. Also, a quick reminder, this podcast isn't intended to provide expert advice on the topics we covered. If you need tax, accounting, or legal advice, please consult a professional. I'm Lauren Foster. Thanks so much for listening.